my name is Comfort or Confizor. I'm listening to Dream City on Unlag Radio 103.1 FM every Saturday at 10 a.m. Dream City is where fun lives, where lives are transformed, where lives are actualized. You gotta get up. You gotta get up and make a move. Cause the world will never see you until you do No, they don't really care what you're going through So you gotta show them, baby You gotta show them the real you You gotta give them what you've got No, don't yeah, welcome back if you're just tuning in. This is still Dream City on Lag Radio 103.1 FM. Yes, I played Miss by Osinachi. Osinachi is our Artist of the Month for July, yes. So if you want to be my Artist of the Month for August, all you have to do is send your song to music at youngcerebral.com and we'll pick it up from there and you never can tell you may just be my Artist of the Month. So that's it. So send your song to music at youngcerebral.com and you stand a chance of being my Artist of the Month for August. Yes, I mentioned earlier that I have someone in the studio who we are going to be talking to today. And if you've been following our Facebook page, our social media page, basically, you know that today we are talking rape we're talking what exactly is rape i'll take a um, brief profile of my guest and we'll launch into our interview proper so my guest is a specialist a specialist of obstetrician i don't want my twist in that <laughs> okay and um gynecologist with a medical background that extends to public health a qualified and experienced specialist in she has worked in Lagos for over 10 years in private practice where she has dedicated her time to working closely with non-government organizations and related agencies in addressing the prevailing issues of gender-based violence, rape and trafficking of young girls and women in communities throughout Lagos by offering free medical support and counseling. My guest is a strong advocate of gender equality and empowerment for all women and girls and is also known for her unmitigated passion for women's rights which has shaped her life and has led her to establishing the Women at Risk International Foundation, WARIF. She believes that it is our primary social responsibility to ensure that globally all young girls and women leave a society free of rape and sexual violence. Listeners at home, I have with me Dr. Anita Kemi da Silva, da Silva Ibro. Welcome to the show, ma'am. Thank you very much for having me, Comfort. Okay, so listen to how you can be part of the show at any point. Feel free to call the phone lines and I'll take your questions or your comments. And also, if you want to share an experience, you want to share it anonymously, you're free to do that. Call in and just say, you know, you don't want to tell your name, but just say whatever, you, whatever it is you have to say. So what is the why behind WARIF? Let's start from there. So WARIF... The acronym is for the Women at Risk International Foundation. Okay. And this is a non-profit organization that was established two and a half years ago. Okay. And essentially in response to the high incidence of rape, mm -hmm. sexual violence, and trafficking of young girls and women in many communities across Nigeria. Okay. So as you rightly said, my background is obstetrics and gynecology. Mm -hmm. So my patient audience are women. And so naturally, I came across um, many disenfranchised women in okay. you know, different settings over the course of my medical career that have experienced different forms of sexual violence. Mm -hmm. In a country of, um, what, 200 million people, mm -hmm. we have an average of one in four girls before the age of 18 having experienced one violent encounter. Mm -hmm. And so um, with my practice, I started off with just implementing some form of medical assistance okay. as best as I could. Mm -hmm. And then this progressively um, became part of my everyday day job mm. 
And then two and a half years ago, having experienced a lot of these cases firsthand, it was apparent to me that I needed to establish a vehicle, which was this nonprofit, to assist in a more structured fashion. Interesting. So let's start with the simplest. What is rape? Rape very and, simple. And, and I wanted to tell us what mm. rape is and what the society thinks rape is. Right. So rape very simply is a form of a sexual assault. It involves sexual intercourse or some form of penetration, whether it's vaginal, anal, or an oral orifice. The most important part of this definition is this is against the person's wishes. So it is without consent. And I think in society, when we define rape, we relate to the fact that it's an aggressive sexual act, relate to the fact that it's usually against the person's will or consent. And many a time, we, we stop and we wonder whether or not it is just the physical violence that is the perpetrator's intent. But in reality, rape is more than that. Rape is actually a tool of power and dominance mm. over, if you will, someone that is more vulnerable. And in other societies, rape can even be used in other forms, like a tool of warfare, okay. as we see in many um, you know, war-torn countries mm. across Africa. Okay, so how does the Nigerian law define rape and what is the sentence? Well, the Nigerian law is interesting in that we have two penal codes. So we have the Southern Penal Code and we have the Northern Penal Code. Mm. The Southern Penal Code is typically the criminal code and that's what we are familiar with. So um, it was established in 1990 and very simply rape was just that. However, the definition was confined to a woman. And so you would say, you know, sexual intercourse against a woman's okay. wishes or against her consent. Mm. Um, 2015, this was then expanded because we then had the violence against persons prohibition. Mm-hmm. And this definition was now expanded to include men. Okay. So as opposed to just the strict definition of women, mm-hmm. we now change the terminology to person. Okay. And it was a function of not just her, but if it was against him or her. And then it was also expanded to include gang rape. In terms of the penalty for rape, if prosecuted, it is life imprisonment, regardless of what state you reside in. Okay. So is there any justification for rape? No. I mean, is there justification for it? There could never be any justification for taking advantage. Okay. There's a reason why I ask that question, but we'll get there. Um, Let's differentiate between rape and molestation. Okay. So, as I said, when you are defining rape, if you're using the terminology penetration, mm. if there's sexual intercourse with penetration, regardless of the orifice, whether it's vaginal, anal, mm. or oral, is when that terminology rape is brought into bear. Okay. But as I initially said to you, it is actually just another form of a sexual assault, as is sexual molestation, okay. which may not necessarily involve penetration, penetration. but certainly involves different sexual acts. Mm. Okay, so now back to why I said is there justification for rape. Does the law recognize the way a lady dresses or the fact that I go to a man's house mean that I want to be raped? You know, sometimes when you go report those issues mm. at the police station, the police would ask you, why is it? Why are you wearing this? Or why did you go to his house? Is that a justification Well, basically, there's no justification for rape in any circle by any individual, whether you're a law enforcement agent mm or whether you're an individual and a bystander observing. Okay. So regardless of what you're wearing, regardless of what time of the day it was, regardless of whether, I think this should bring us to the definition of what is consent. Exactly. When you say consent, consent is a willful 
agreement, an enthusiastic agreement. Mm. It's a decision, an informed agreement between two parties okay. that a sexual activity mm. can and will occur. What is important, however, is to appreciate that when you're dealing with consent, there's certain criteria that has to be taken into consideration. Okay. The very first being you cannot give consent if you're a minor. Mm. And in Nigeria, if you're under the age of 18, you are considered a minor, and so therefore you cannot give your consent to a sexual act of this nature. Another simple premise is to remember that for consent to occur, it cannot occur if it involves a form of bribery okay. or a form of force. Mm. So therefore you cannot aggressively insist on consent. You certainly can't have consent if the person is not conscious, okay. if the person is under the influence of some alcohol or mm. drug. Mm. And finally, which is what brings me to the point you're making, consent can be given and revoked. So therefore, I could be in the middle of contemplating a sexual act okay. and giving my consent to it and change my mind mm. at that point in time. Mm. So these are very important criteria that you have to bear in mind when you're dealing with consent. It's not enough to just say, I am agreeing and I'm a participatory party to this. Mm -hmm. But you have to take into consideration that these criteria have to be satisfied. Okay. okay. So the rape has gained public attention in recent times, but I still believe that it is underreported and um, with survey from some quarters showing a dark figure of 91.6% of rape going unreported. So why is this so and what can be done? Well, I think traditionally in Nigeria, women have been placed in that stereotypical role of being subjugated by men. Okay. I mean, this is something that we're familiar, for very familiar mm -hmm. with in many mm -hmm. different industries. Yeah. And um, I think our cultural norms and practices also encourage this form of um, attitudes mm -hmm. that lay bare towards women. When you talk about rape, rape typically occurs in safe spaces, like okay. a home, mm -hmm. a school. Mm -hmm. And usually the perpetrator is an individual that's well known to the survivor. Yeah. For many a time, it will be a caregiver, perhaps a father, be it biological or you know not, mm. or it could be a school teacher, or sometimes it could even be a pastor in a church. So when you have a situation where a survivor is coming from that environment, then she is already filled with that fear of the stigma of this act. Mm. She's encouraged to feel ashamed and feel guilty about yeah. it. Mm. And so she's filled with a lot of self-blame and therefore she does not have the, if you will, um, strength or even the place enabling mm. to speak out against this um, awful act. Another contributing factor in our society is the victim blaming that occurs, which you mentioned a little earlier. Yeah. When a woman comes out to speak out against her rape, the general society's attitude is, well, what role did you play in contributing mm. to your rape? Yeah. What were you wearing, like you said? Or what time of the day was it? And who were you with? And why was it you and not your friend or not mm. your sister? Mm. And then we have situations where, as a result of that, the woman is now afraid to speak out because she's concerned that no one will believe her. There's a lot of family pressure mm. because, as we said, the perpetrator many a time is that family member. And so families are more concerned about protecting the dignity of the family okay. as opposed to allowing this woman to speak out because, against yes. the perpetrator. Mm. And then we have a general poor attitude of many service providers because of this victim blaming that we um, have in this society. And then we also have um, situations where there is just not enough information, like organizations like WARF, 
In our organization, we have a rape crisis center in Yaba okay. at number 6 Turton Street. It's a walk-in facility. Mm -hmm. We've seen over 1,100 women. And at this facility, we offer free services. Mm -hmm. So we offer free medical care. We offer forensic medical examinations, which as you can imagine is critical yeah. in identifying the perpetrator. Mm -hmm. We also start the counseling process, which is also very relevant in the healing process. And then we address social welfare because Nigeria is not a welfare country. Mm, yeah. And if we are to say to these women, leave your home because this is where your abuser resides, we need, to have to, we need to make sure that we have in place resources and infrastructure so they mm. can have accommodation, accommodation yeah. shelter, mm. legal aid, mm. and then vocational skills. And so this we've been able to successfully carry out at the Warrior Center, um, open six days a week, Monday okay. through to Saturday mm. from 8 to 5 p.m. Okay. And so when we um, go out and in our advocacy work, we raise awareness to not just the issues of rape and sexual violence, mm. but to the fact that um, these services are available. Because many women are not even aware exactly. that th these services mm. are available, and mm. so therefore they're ignorant as to exactly. where to report these mm. cases. Okay, so why did I even choose this topic for today? I was having a discussion with a young lady, 18, 19, and that is why... Um, the society in which we are matters a lot because a lot of us have been taught some things. I put on my WhatsApp cell this morning that we need to learn, relearn, and unlearn some things. Mm -hmm. And she's, I was having a discussion about rape with her, and she said, a lady that goes to a young man's house wearing skin biscuit, what's she asking for? Probably she's asking for sex. And I'm like, what? Right. You know, why, where does this mentality come, come from? Why do you think that a lady that goes to a man's house is obviously asking to be raped or to be, you know, to, to have sex? And sometimes you go to the police station, you hear, how, how were you dressed? What did you do to provoke him? Like, there must be something to blame for the rape. And I'm like, uh, why? Why? You know, we need to change our mentality. We really need to unlearn some things. And that is why we're talking to Dr. Ibru today. We're talking, what exactly is rape? So you may have an experience you want to share. You may want to talk to us. Join us live on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash FM and you'll see all that is happening and listen to the conversation, everything happening here in the studio. You can also call the phone lines 081 8749 or you can also call 090 5381-8874. So those are the phone lines. If you have questions, if you have comments, you can feel free to call any of the lines and we'll pick it up from there. So, so let's, as you mentioned, Comfort, um, okay. in terms of changing one's narrative, hmm. you know, you gave the example of, you know, speaking to your friend and her attitudes. Exactly. I mean, these are attitudes that are prevalent in um, our community. Very, very. I mean, in the work that we do, one of the initiatives that we implement under our education pillar hmm. is to work with boys. Okay. Because we appreciate the fact that we protect the girls. Mm. not forgetting that boys one are also survivors mm -hmm. I mentioned one in four girls in our environment yeah. are survivors but one mm. in eight boys are survivors of sexual acts mm. against their will mm. and then you have this young boy who is socialized in violence and he has no one encouraging his moral compass mm. no one telling him right from wrong and so chances are he will grow up to become that potential perpetrator. Yeah, yes, so we yes. started to implement the Boys Conversation Cafe. Okay. And this is an educational initiative that we take into secondary schools. Mm -hmm. And the reason why it was so important for us was because as with all of our initiatives, when we measured what the need was, we found out that one in five boys stated they would walk away mm. if they saw a girl being raped. And these were boys between the ages of 12 and 16. Wow. 
And then the reasons that they gave were a multiple, mm. ranging from, you know, 81% of them being addicted to pornography mm. and wanting to replicate the act to the general attitude of, well, I wasn't part of this plan, mm. and so therefore it's not my business. And a significant number actually acknowledged that, well, what she was wearing mm. typically encouraged her in um, the acts of rape. So like you said, in changing the narrative was why we implemented this initiative. Okay. Because we have to change the narrative at that formative year mm. Mm. of 12 to 16. So then they start changing their behavior when they become young men. Interesting. Okay, so let, let's let's go back to stigmatization. You talked about stigmatization earlier mm. when you said that is the reason some persons do not report rape. Mm. So what can we do as a society to encourage or to stop stigmatization? Well, very simply, we need to first believe the survivor. If a woman comes to you and says this is an act that has occurred, mm. don't find every reason not to believe her or blame her. Okay. Just simply listen to her and take on board the fact that this has happened, okay. you believe her, and how can you help? Mm. And this mm. is our collective responsibility. It is not enough to say, well, only an organization or an authoritative figure or law enforcement can intervene. Mm. You mm. can intervene on behalf of your neighbor. Many a time in communities, many community members are pretty much aware of you know, the home down the street where mm. you know, all sorts of unspeakable acts may occur. What stops you from knocking on that door? or asking the woman who wears that jumper mm. on a hot day and you wonder why, why it is that she is, or suddenly she's gone very quiet when you mention a particular name, mm. or even that little child who doesn't want to run to Uncle Kunle any longer. Mm. Instead mm. of dragging the child and insisting and probably admonishing the child, why don't you pay attention to these signs? Mm. It's a function of just simply being a bit more compassionate and a bit more intuitive to our environment and simply just believe them, believe them, give them an enabling space to speak out so they feel less the pressure of the stigma that we speak of. Mm. Okay, so let's talk about solutions right now. So what is the first thing to do when one um, has been raped? The very first thing to do when you've been raped is to visit an organization center like the Warish Center. Okay. It's extremely important that we see you within a 72-hour window mm -hmm. for multiple reasons. The very first is, during our medical examination of you, we would be able to successfully carry out a forensic medical examination. And many of the specimens that we can retrieve, now that we're fortunate enough to have a DNA mm -hmm. lab in Ikeja, we can send that, and we can then use that to identify the alleged perpetrator. Mm. It is also important to see you within that window because the HIV tests can be carried out, and then more importantly, the post-HIV drugs that are given to all survivors of mm. these acts can be offered to you, and it actually prevents the spread of HIV okay. in a situation like this. Mm. Mm. When you do visit the Warrior Center or a similar um, facility, mm. it's important that you do not have a bath. It's a very difficult thing to ask of a woman who has just undergone such an unspeakable act. Mm. But the reason, of course, as you can imagine, is because we wouldn't want you to wash away any of the important specimens mm. and um, you know, information that we will be able to get from not just your person, but also from your clothing. Okay. And the next thing is to report it. Mm. It's important. I know that there are challenges, as you mentioned, with the police. And I know that many a time there's a reluctance to report it. But there has to be some form of accountability. Mm. You cannot just allow this perpetrator to carry on with impunity because you're reluctant to go into a police station. We at the um, organization have undergone, um, again under our community service, 
and training programs, sensitization programs with the police force, mm. recognizing that we need to improve our relationship mm. with the police force, and also we need to improve our referral systems. So when women do report these cases, mm. they actually have protocols where they can now refer the women to us. And we've done, what, over 200 police officers in mm. our programs, and we can see the tides changing. So there is, you know, there is work to be done, but it started. It's a lot of work. I must say, and kudos to your organization. So um, can, can rape survivors go back to being normal? How yes. long does it take? Every woman's case is individual to her, mm. and we have to respect that. We have to respect her journey, we have to give her the time, okay. and we have to appreciate that it's, there's no quick fix about this. Mm -hmm. Whenever we see rape survivors, the immediate concern, of course, is the physical, hence the medical examination and treatment. Okay. But then the psychosocial counseling is as important. And the number of counseling sessions that a woman needs would essentially depend on her. Okay. And it's just important for you to appreciate that you walk that journey with her mm. for as long as she needs. But she can certainly get through it with enough attention and um, care given to her. Okay, so we'll go for this break. Let's pay some bills and we'll be back after this break. Do not go anywhere. You are wise. So let me tell you why I know that MTN Extra Value Deal is so amazing. 1,000 Naira gets you one gigabyte data and 2,000 Naira talk time, all in one plan. This is the real amazing deal. I'll tell you why. On this deal, you can get double airtime whenever you pay for data. And guess what? It's one plan you can use to call 18 countries. Oh, and guess what? It's valid for 30 whole days. I know. So you see, no other deal comes close to the real amazing deal. Just dial star 131 star 310 hash and enjoy. <laughs> Listen up, guys that can't get on the gram until the wee hours of the night. You know yourselves that turn their data on and off like light switch. Too bad. This gist is yours. Life is so much easier on the MTN side of things because now with your 4G SIM, you get double your data. That is 1,200 Naira now gets you 4 gigabyte of data. Enough data to get things lit everywhere you go. Text 4G to 131 to get started. Welcome back. If you're just tuning in, it's still Dream City. And this is Unilag Radio 103.1 FM. We're talking what exactly is rape with Dr. Anita Kemi Da Silva Ibru. And um, we've been able to define it. We've been able to talk about assistance, how to get help and all of that. We're going to look at the constitution. 
the Nigerian constitution right now. But do not forget that you can call in 081-3303-8749-08020-933638. I know some persons do not usually want to have public opinions about it, but it's fine. You can send a message if you want to and all of that. So recently we read in the news that um, the Nigerian lawmakers want death sentence for rape. You mentioned earlier um, it's a life sentence. So they want death sentence for rape. So how would you react to this? I mean, my, my point or my reaction would be, as opposed to us trying to change our legal system, okay. and change you know, the current laws, mm. how about we try implementing the existing laws we have and then making them applicable to all our states? Mm. I mean, we talk about, for instance, the Child's Rights okay. Act. And this is, um, if you will, an act that was established, you know, in 1989 by the, the UN Convention. We adopted it in 2003, but to date there's still only 24 states mm. that have domesticated this mm. law. I talked about earlier the, um, the VAP Act, which was the expansion of our rape um, laws in 2015, but there are only an additional three states that okay. have adopted this law. Mm. Yeah. So I think we should spend more focus on insisting that these laws that we have are implemented, implemented mm. so we can then improve the prosecution and conviction rates mm. of rape as opposed to you know changing the laws altogether and changing say life imprisonment to a death penalty mm. so um aside and your ngo and of course other ngos that do similar things what what is the side of the government do they provide legal services to such persons Actually, yes, they do. Actually, they do. Um, the um, Lagos State is one of the more progressive states. Okay. Lagos State actually has the domestic and sexual violence response mm. team. Mm. I mean, and this is, um, if you will, a team that's been made up of different sec sectors of um, ministries as well as NGOs such mm. as ourselves. Okay. And the idea being that it's a team that has successfully been executed in Lagos State to, in response to the prevalence of domestic and sexual violence. Okay. In so far as the legal aspect, the Lagos State also has Office of Public Defender. Okay. And they offer legal support free of charge to indigenous of um, Lagos State. Mm. There's also the Directorate of Public uh, Prosecutions and they are obviously in charge with the prosecution of these crimes. Mm. So we certainly have um, you know agencies that are available Mm. that um, do offer legal assistance okay. in these cases. Okay. So um, how should we all protect ourselves against being raped? Everybody, children. Okay, yesterday I read the news and um, it was about a young lady. The father apparently had been raping her, you know, having sexual intercourse with her over a period of time and she got pregnant and she had the baby. She was still in the same house. Mm. Still in the same house. So I'm wondering, you're in the same house with your abuser. You know, and this is a child less than 18 years old. Mm. So how should we protect ourselves, even from our own family members, from friends, from colleagues and, and the like? So what, what, what are those things that we should do? Well, I mean, the, I mean, protecting oneself, first you have to have insight to the problem. Okay. And I say this because when you work in this space, um, a big part of the work we do is prevention. Hmm. And it's one thing to intervene when the act has occurred, which is what we offer with the Warish Center, 
But then, like you rightly said, how do we prevent this from occurring to begin with? Mm -hmm. Education plays a very key role in this. When we go into secondary schools, for instance, we see young girls between the ages of 12 and 16. Okay. And these are girls that have already been socialized in these acts of violence from a very young age. Mm -hmm. Some as young as two, which is actually the youngest age that I've had to intervene. And so trying to express um, and explain to this young child that what is being done to you is wrong mm. is the very first thing that one needs to do. Mm. And then empowering this young child, giving her a simple toolkit of identifying who this groomer is, like you said, who this individual is, whether it's in your home or outside mm. of your home, and then giving her the necessary information so that she knows that you know if this were to occur, I have services available to me, like in the Warrior Center and other places such mm. as that. Mm. I have the police that I can go and report to. I have a 24-hour confidential call line, which is one of the things we offer. And this we do because young girls, especially in environments where there's fear, don't have, if you will, the um, opportunity of visiting centers and mm. being, um, have getting access to these Jeez. services. Mm. So education is key. Education is key for the girl child so that she has and is aware of means of protecting herself. Education is key for the boy child. So as we said, we change his narrative mm. so he doesn't grow up to become that potential perpetrator. And then for the rest of us, so that if we are all a collective taking a stance against this in any community, mm. then the chances are that we would see less of these cases. Mm. Okay. So how long is too long to report a rape case? There's no, there's no time limit as to when you should be able to report a rape case. Mm -hmm. And there's certainly no time li limit as to when to receive care, especially in terms of one's counseling and psychosocial yeah. state mm -hmm. when you've had um, a rape encounter. Okay. So earlier I, I mentioned, I talked about a story about um, the child being in the house with the abuser. Mm -hmm. So what would you advise parents who would rather prefer to protect the family name or rather than seek justice for the child? For instance, a mother knows that the father molests the, the child, the daughter, and instead of going out to the public or reporting the case, he, she prefers to, you know, pamper him and mm -hmm. say, okay, let's keep this within the family. What's your advice to It's a sad truth that, yes, in many homes, as I mentioned earlier, protecting mm -hmm. the dignity of the family yeah. takes precedence over ensuring that this young girl or boy in the home gets the adequate care they mm -hmm. need. Mm -hmm. I guess it's just constant education this constant awareness, expressing to everybody the importance of you know, timely intervention. Okay. Clearly, in a home environment where you have a perpetrator, mm. he is not going to actually you know, prey on more than one child. Yeah. And so when you have a home where you have multiple children or multiple young people in the house, then that enabling adult, that person that's turning a blind eye, has to remember that, you know, this goes way beyond just one child or one individual. Mm. This affects the whole dynamics of the family, and it can become intergenerational because whatever baggage and you know, the adverse impact it has on that child, mm. that child is carrying it on into adulthood and into that next generation. Mm. Okay. So um, in cases where there are no evidences to prove that rape has occurred, what usually happens? And that's difficult because um, obviously it's your word against mine. Mm. I think that's where we'll probably have to rely on um, the good office of the police and you know law mm. enforcement agents mm. to hopefully do their jobs. Look, you know, you mentioned earlier that within seventy-two hours, whoever is involved should come for testing and all of that. So in the case where it um, a month and it's difficult to get those evidences to prove that okay, truly 
this person was raped what usually happens i guess that's where as i said i mean in terms of you know the DNA aspect of things. Okay. Unfortunately, that window has closed. Hmm. But then again, let's not forget that we do have an active police force. And the primary role of that agent is to go out and find and investigate hmm. Hmm. and hopefully get enough evidence to support okay. this case. Okay. Okay. Zero eight one double three zero three eight seven four nine zero eight zero two zero nine double three six three eight. Those are the numbers to call. So can we describe rape as an epidemic due to its global incidence and effects? Okay, we have a call. Okay, we lost that. Zero eight one double three zero three eight seven four nine zero eight zero two zero nine double three six three eight. You can call back. Someone's trying to call us right now. You can call us back um, with any of those numbers. Yeah. Well, if I put my medical hat on, okay. I, mean, I would say an epidemic is what? The spread mm. of an infectious disease. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's to a large group of people. And it's usually within a short period of time. Yes. So if we now adopt that definition, but maybe a little loosely, mm. we could say um, globally, 30% of women would have had one physical or sexual encounter. Mm. Um, UNICEF in 2017 released a study saying 15 million girls between the ages of 15 and 19 okay. would have had one violent sexual encounter. Mm. Mm. We talk about Nigeria today, we say one in four girls okay. before the age of 18 mm. would have had one violent sexual encounter. I mean, by my definition, I would call that an epidemic. What mm. would you call it? I think, I think it is. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is. It is, actually. So, what are the effects? Now that we've established that it is an epidemic, so what effects does it have on us as a society? I mean, rape and sexual violence has, of course, multiple effects. If you start with the woman in her, herself, her immediate consequences are an increase in HIV, mm. increase in want, unwanted pregnancy. It adversely affects her in the long term psychologically. So you have a high incidence of depression, post-traumatic stress Mm. disorders, Mm. you have suicide rates going up, you have her self-esteem affected, Mm. so perhaps if she's a girl child, she no longer has any interest in her education. In some instances, she's prevented from continuing her her education. Okay, just one minute, let's take this call. (laughs) Hello, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Your name is Can you turn down the volume of your radio sets, please? Please turn down the volume of your radio sets. Thank you. Okay. I can hear you. Go ahead, please. I can hear you now. Go ahead. Okay. So I just want to give a shout out to your guest. Okay. Mm-hmm. She can hear you. Yeah, cool. And as a global experience, like she rightly said, that they 
between her organization and the WHO, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. All right. She will take your question now. Thank you for calling. Well, thank you very much for your um, phone call and your question. I believe the first question was with regards to us um, having outreach services yeah. to other states, mm -hmm. which is something that we do have. Um, the idea being that um, other states that are in need of services or other states that already have existing um, organizations mm -hmm then we are very happy to partner and collaborate with these organizations okay. to, of course, offer assistance. Mm -hmm. I mean, with regards to um, the global stigmatization, the problem, mm -hmm. yes, it is a global problem. Organizations, whether um, grassroots, whether domestic mm -hmm. or even international, are all working. The idea is that ideally, we would love to be able to all work hand in hand because as a collective, we can certainly do more. Mm -hmm. I mean, the UN would probably be considered the largest of all of these organizations, and yes, um, Insofar as we're working, you know, indirectly through, you know, other collaborating organizations, yes, we're all trying to sort of make that connection. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you, Manuel, for calling, and I hope she um, took your questions very well. So final words to, we have less than six minutes to leave the studio, so final words to um, young people listening to the show right now. Well, I guess the most important thing to establish is the fact that um, anybody, any survivor, or anyone that knows a survivor of rape or sexual violence, it's important for them to understand that they're not alone. Okay. It's important for them to understand that this is not their fault mm. and that there are services available to assist them. I mentioned the Warish Center. This is at number 6 Turton Street off Thurban Avenue. It's a walk-in facility six days a week and we're always available to assist. Okay. We also have a 24-hour confidential helpline. The number is 0809 210 0009. I'll take that again. 0809-210-0009. And this is a confidential helpline. We are always at the end of the phone and we can listen and assist as best as we can. And then, of course, we have a website and we're on all the social media, media platforms. platforms. Okay. Thank you so much, Ma, for coming on the show today. Thank you I very learned much. a lot from our interview. So um, I do this every Saturday on my show. Young and Serval is a youth platform for self-actualization. And I usually ask my guests, what does self-actualization mean to them in 30 seconds? So, Ma, what does it mean to you? Hmm. Well, well self-actualization, I guess, is a sense of fulfillment that you derive from what a talent or you know, application of a knowledge that okay. you have. Mm. And I suppose that's what I'm doing with Warif. I suppose Warif is my <laughs> self-actualization because I am hoping that I'm implementing and um, offering some sort of assistance through my knowledge. And I certainly derive a lot of fulfillment from it. Doing this. Thank you so much, ma'am. <laughs> okay, so we have one more news from one more announcement from MTN. Hey guys, have you heard about MTN VTU? With MTN Virtual Top Up VTU, scratching recharge card is now a thing of old. You get automatically cre credited with airtime or data bundle of your choice by the recharge card seller. All you need to do is give your number to the seller. Most so, you get to enjoy extra airtime bonus every time you recharge through VTU. 
Yes, so uh, you enjoy 5% airtime bonus on recharges of 100 naira and below, and a whopping 10% bonus for recharges above 100 naira. This means that with VTU, every time you recharge 500 naira, you get 550, and 1000 naira gets you 1100, just like that. This is, an, this is in addition to existing bonuses on whichever price plan you are on. Interesting, right? Yeah, I guess so. You can also dial star 904 hash to buy airtime or data directly from your bank account and enjoy same bonus just like that. So, guys, let's go digital and start asking our recharge card sellers for VTU and enjoy extra time, extra airtime bonus anytime, anywhere, any day, just for you. And that's it on the show this morning. I hope you listening to me out there, you picked out something from today's interview. So have an amazing weekend and remember to join me same time, same station next week, Saturday. I am sure we'll have a winner next week for the quiz segment, right? <laughs> have a great weekend. And as I always say, don't just dream. When you dream, put actions to it. Have an amazing and a beautiful weekend. Bye. What do you say when you just don't know how you feel And you know nobody knows how you feel